Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. It's always fairly straightforward. Um, Should this be on airport? I, I don't know. Like, the... I've had mine go off and it's never affected the mic. But I remember it used to affect the mic. Yeah. So, yeah, it's up to you, really. Uh, how incognito you want to be for an hour. If you I can dis- disconnect from the world. Yeah, I've, I've had Charlie text me saying she's seen a pickles dog and that's about it today, so... With <laughs> a couple of, like, Instagrams. Somebody's liked your post. Yeah. I'm yeah. Worth something in the world. Yeah. <laughs> Either way. People I don't know. Always lingerie models. Really? I get, I get a, so much spam on Instagram. I get a lot of lingerie models and I'm just like... I'm not going to follow you no. just because you like my post. But thanks. Yeah. <laughs> Good lingerie. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah, welcome to Yellow and Concrete Podcast, Matt. Hello to the 20 people who listen to this. <laughs> um, yeah, you've come up from, from London? Yeah, London from London. Town. London town. Yeah. All the way, you know, down from the south. Um, and Matt is, is an editor, or a, a, a production something. I'm a, I'm a first assistant editor. There you go. Um, which most people then just go, okay. Whereas I know Matt as the guy I made films with for, <laughs> or short films with for, for two or three years. Um, yes. And then we went to uni together, which was nice. Yes. Which leads me to nicely to the first question of how long have we known each other? See, I knew, I, <laughs> I actually, I prepped this answer because I've been watching your podcast and it's been about eight years. Jesus Christ. <laughs> well, what, CLM started, fuck, 2008? Yeah, yeah. So. So, yeah. No, nine years. It's been nine years. It's like nine years this year, I think. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It'd be nine years in a couple of weeks when we met and you didn't like me. I didn't like you on <laughs> I don't think many people do. I'll explain this point before the world just thinks I'm an asshole. <laughs> so, yeah, obviously we met in uni. And we were quite different people to to what we are now. I'd like to think we've matured, like like some sort of wine or cheese. We've, we've definitely matured, but I think we're both still assholes. We're still assholes. <laughs> There's no denying the fact that we're assholes. <laughs> but no, when we met, like obviously we were both at peak assholedom. Because we were both like, we're going to uni, we're going to go do film, we were, we're te- going to be directors. We were teen angst assholes. We were teen angst assholes. So you, when you get two of those in the same room... <laughs> we both had long hair. Both had long well, hair. Both were into to good music. Um, yes. Both wanted to be the next Kevin Smith or Tarantino. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, you can't compete with that. <laughs> yeah. Rather than thinking we have similar interests, we should maybe hang out. Which we eventually did. Yeah, eventually. And then you told me you thought that I was just a poser. For a while, I thought you were a poser. And then when you realised that I wasn't a poser, you then thought maybe we could hang out. But that was because the first, like, I vividly remember, like, we had that first class and they were going around like, oh, what's your favourite films? Yeah. And you'd mentioned, like, three off the list where I was just like, that's my mother calling me. Shh, I'll call you back. Um, yeah, like, three off this list where I was just like, those are films which anyone who has, like, just been like, I want to be serious about film, would could, could easily reel off. And I, was, I took that as like my first impression. And I was like, fuck <laughs> that guy across the room with his long hair. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. But it was fine. We went out and then we played pool one night. Yeah, at the Quayside. At Quayside. And we learnt that we were people. Mm-hmm. And not just interested in the, the short, you know, film 
pay off. Yeah. Yeah, you know. And we, we got past that. Yeah. We came stronger friends. And then we became thick as thieves. We did. Um, we yeah. edited stuff and made things. And if anyone knows us from before, Tuba Doom, which we, we made Tuba Doom, which was a short, short-lived web series. I actually <laughs> saw in one of your solo podcasts, I got so happy that I saw the tube in the background. And I'm like... No, I can't get rid of that tube now. It's like a cardboard tube. Which with is tape just, on it. With tape on it, which is just sitting around my house and I can't do anything with. It's because it's the original Chubadoob. <laughs> I think if either one of us ever makes it big, that needs to work its way in somewhere. That's straight. Just like in the background, like slithering. Yeah. Well, it was originally on your um, second year piece, wasn't it? With uh, Aaron, where he was working in that. It was like you, you jacked into something and you were, it was working on typewriter. Wasn't it in there? I think it was. I don't. Like, was that the remember. tube that he put? He was meant to put. Like it was meant to be a. New yeah, 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 that was it. It was like there was, a, there was a paper away. tube which was like attached to his desk, and that was where he sent documents. Yeah, and I went in there, and yeah, that worked yeah. quite well. Ah, memories. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's so. Yeah, it's like it's almost a decade mm-hmm. since we were doing that. Quite, yeah, it was. That's fucking ridiculous. It really was. <laughs> We're feeling very old right now. Well, I'm feeling very old right now. But I always feel old, so... What else is new on that? So, that, that um, <laughs> so whilst we get out of the n- nostalgia train, which mm-hmm. is is this, you, have you brought a subject? I have. I, I mean, have. you've already told me the subject. This is all just charades. I it? have, I have. <laughs> we, you know, like, we could have already done, like, three podcasts by now. We could. How much have we this is the problem of you, like, for, for the listeners, you're visiting for the weekend. So we've spent time chatting. Yeah. Um, and once I figured out that you were actually in my house, <laughs> yes, because I gave you the keys, but happened to be at work, and then uh, yeah, you're, you're quiet as a mouse in my house. <laughs> um, I remember you were always like a light insomniac sleeper, so it was always like, yeah, I, I'm less an insomniac now. I still do, I still sleepwalk. Oh, okay, and I still talk in my sleep. I've got this new thing. I say new thing. <laughs> I got this new thing where I'll be asleep. And there's no one else in my house because I live alone. And I'll wake up. I will think there's someone in my house, but not be freaked out by it. Okay. Close my bedroom door. I'll put on a shirt because I sleep shirtless. And then I'll go back to bed. And then I'll wake up wearing a shirt and my door's closed. And I have no idea how that happened. And it's only because I have these vague memories that I woke (laughs) up and I put on a shirt. And I picked a shirt. I didn't even just like... Grab a random shirt. I went to my closet. It was just like, no, not that one, not that one. Okay, that one. Put it on. I went back to bed, and I wake up wearing a shirt, and I'm like, It'd "Be great if it was like a, a shirt shirt. You've done like all the buttons as well. Put on a tie. If it gets to that point, I'm just going to apply to be an accountant because <laughs> some part of me is like, you should probably just quit this whole art thing. <laughs> no, never do that. Never do that. <laughs> or you'll you'll go into accountancy and you'll like destroy the world of economics through through your art. Uh, that's very fight club. <laughs> It is very it's very fight club. Which actually is a good segue into the topic I brought is pop culture. Yeah. Because with, obviously with Tube of Doom, that was purely pop culture referencing yep. pretty much. Apart from the odd sketch, the odd random sketch, like the coffee sketch that you love so much. That's a great sketch though. But like, I mean, we just chatted shit about films and comics pretty much them into a essentially in a narrative. way I seem Tube of Doom as like a prelude to essentially what this is because we started Tube of Doom, Doom which was like kind of based just off conversations we'd had 
Yeah, it was. Whereas, like, we'd had this conversation, and then we thought, actually, this would be better if we were characters exaggerated of ourselves. Yeah. And then we could kind of twist that into something slightly more funny, more interesting for the public. And the same with, like, this project, where it was just like, I'm having all these conversations with people and discussing life and all that kind of thing due to events. So it's like, what if I just record it? Mm. And that's kind of, like, how that began. So in a way, Achieve Doom was, like, a, a, a more more formalised version of that because we scripted it. Yes. Yeah. And we acted it badly. I don't know. I think my acting was on point. Your, your acting was always better than mine. <laughs> always better than mine. And mine certainly improved. Uh, it just sort of depends. Like that Pulp Fiction sketch. Yeah. I think we pulled off that pretty well but because we didn't have camera duties. We didn't. We just... And because through. it was single take we like yeah. really had to rehearse it better to remember all the lines. I think there's there's episodes I regret. Yeah. I regret the singing episode. <laughs> I love the singing episode. Famously, I wrote that. You did? I'm not saying the, pro- the problem was the script. No. I'm saying the problem was the actors. Yeah. No, yeah, there, there are the odd few where I was just like, what what the fuck were we thinking about why did why did we do that? I love the there's a there's one which is it's the James Bond necrophiliac sketch. Oh yeah. And I yeah. love that sketch. We're playing like because cards or we had no like we had no popular reference for that apart yeah. from James Bond. And James yeah. Bond wasn't big at the time. Like it wasn't out and about. So we were like, what if we just put Pokemon cards on the table and we just happened to be playing Pokemon cards <laughs> and then we had to remind each other how to play Pokemon cards. <laughs> I never knew how to play either. So I'm just like I'm just gonna turn that and hope that nobody's watching who knows how to play this seriously. And they're like, that's a foul move, like I don't know. This is an apology coming from Chew of Doom to yeah, the world. Yeah. That we did not know enough to make that look realistic. Yeah, I remember we did one on, like, um, rom-coms, like, how life isn't, like, a rom-com, and I regret that one, that one wasn't that great. I think I wrote that script as well, and I remember, like, filming it going, eh, we needed one for this week. Yeah, we did that a couple of times where we just kind of, though, the rear window one. I did. I think that's probably the best acted one we have. Yeah. Like, because it just flows so nicely. The real one was good. That was good. We, I don't know why, but that one just, yeah, kind of settled in. But that's the one where you've got the, um, you get confused about Hunger Games. Yeah, because it's two girls, one girl. And that was when we then predicted that they'll do a battleship film. And they fucking <laughs> did a battleship film. And then we were like, oh, what are they going to do next? Hungry, Hungry Hippos. And then fucking Sony bought up the rights yeah. to make a Hungry, Hungry Hippos film. And we were yeah. like... What? what you... But that's the yeah. That, I think that's the state of the, like the industry at the minute, though. Yeah. Like it's a weird look because when we I was chatting to Jack the other day, who was obviously on one of these podcasts. Um, we were on about the Emoji Movie. Fuck yeah! And the the calamity which is the Emoji Movie, mm-hmm. but there's a lot of big stars behind it. There's a lot of people getting paid a lot of money for this. Yeah. The CG is is animated, which means time and effort has gone into this, and yet people are struggling to get funding for good films. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, yeah, that's... I, I, I don't understand. Like, I, I get that pop culture is kind of... To me, pop culture now is deteriorated. Yeah. But mainly due to internet memes. Which is an interesting follow-on from the other podcast I did with Nathan, where he loves memes. Um, I, yeah, I mean, I quite like memes. I mean, I like memes. Uh, but I feel like it has led to... Because it's, it's now that thing where, like, you've got... Everyone before was trying, like, films were trying to 
trying to pander to an audience. Mm-hmm. So like, let's say you got an audience and they're like, this is like the nineties or early two thousands. And they're thinking, what do people like? It's like, Oh cool. People like romance. They like action. We'll bust out a romance and action film. And then mm-hmm. the internet kind of came in and meme culture started to go up and they, it kind of skewed what people were interested in to producers mm-hmm. because they were like, wait, people like fidget spinners. So we could profit off fidget. How could we profit off fidget spinners? Can yeah. we make a Hollywood film yeah. about fidget spinners? It's also like trying to franchise it out and stuff. That's my next predict. I'm predicting that fidget spinners, the movie. Yeah. I mean, they made I a can... Beyblade movie. They could make a fidget spinners I movie. Can, I can see that happening. Yeah. 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 It was like, um, I was talking to my editor at work about this actually the other day. Um, cause we actually just like quickly mentioned cause I, I'm, I'm a Marvel comics nut. Like I love reading Marvel comics. You are. Um, like yeah, since, 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 more DC. So. I know, I know. But then <laughs> I, I did borrow a bunch of your DC sort of thing. You did. Yeah. Um, I remember Lobo and Lobo. Killing Joke and Arkham Asylum and I borrowed all them off of you. But like, like when I left Lincoln, my Marvel comics collection was like tiny compared to what it is now. I just right. keep buying it. I know you were trying to get like the Civil War collection. I've still only got a few of the tie-ins that uh, right. I don't have. A few of the tie-ins, I've got most of them. But, yeah, yeah, I've I've moved on well past that now. <laughs> I've now got other massive Marvel events and got all the tie-ins. But it was how like uh, a couple of weeks ago, he he was commenting to the the show I'm working on. He was commenting to the director, just like yeah, Matt always seems to be able to go to the cinema. And he's just looking at me like, you went last night, didn't you? And I was like, well, of course, Spider-Man Homecoming came out. Of course I went to fucking see that. Yeah. Like, it's anything Marvel does. Yeah. Um, it's, it's a bit of, I've got the skewed view that anything Marvel does, even if it's crap, if Marvel Studios have done it, I'm still just like, I fucking love that. But it's sort of always got to be Marvel Studios, because, like, Fox doing fucking Fantastic Four reboot was shit. Right, okay. Sort of thing. I mean, I can kind of see that. I kind of have that with um, Henson. Yeah. Anything the Henson team makes, regardless uh, but, of whether it's for me or not, is, yeah. But, I mean, I, I, I take it back a bit by at least, like, I'm critical that I will actually go, well, actually, I love the film, but I didn't like that bit, and I didn't right. like that yep. bit. Um, and like I was saying earlier to you with uh, the Netflix series, I wasn't, like, I liked Iron Fist, mm-hmm. but I was still like, this was wrong and this was wrong, and I didn't like that. And I don't mean, like, wrong in terms of art, it's not how it's done in the comics, because mm-hmm. it's an adaptation, so you can have variants and stuff like that. But... Um, but yeah, and so, so he was. I was saying like Defenders has just come out, so that's where I'm spending all my time trying to watch Defenders, like in yeah. between shifts and stuff like that. And then we got onto how there was like certainly when I was like, cause he my editor's like uh, in his early forties, I think. Mm. I think if he's watching this, I'm sorry if you're younger. But I'm, I'm not sure. sorry. I'm completely okay with you being in your forties. I'm, I'm pretty sure you said you're like in your early forties, um, but he. Uh, we were sort of saying how a lot of the what we would consider pop culture yeah. would now be considered. I mean, it was considered this when, when we were growing up, anyway. But would now be considered cult rather yeah. than pop culture, so to speak. And a lot of it would be like you would catch a late night film on Channel Four, which don't exist anymore. Yeah. And the amount of stuff I discovered, we started to reel off what we had discovered through late night BBC Two and late night Channel Four, like eleven. They would, oh, every night there'd have an eleven o'clock film on, and it yeah. would be like figuring out. I mean, this was just how fucking much... This is when I really got into cinema, and I must have been, like, 14, 15. Yeah. So it's still, like, I've got a bedtime. My mum will be like, you're in bed by this time. And it's like, but the late-night film starts in, like, 45 minutes. 
so it was like figuring out because in where my parents' house, my I had my bedroom, and then next door's my little brother's bedroom, and then next door's my mum and dad's bedroom, and you know the landing. Um, and it was figuring out what volume level I could have my TV on in my room, which was at the end of my bed, right? And it couldn't be heard in either my parents' bedroom or the landing or my little brother's bedroom either. So like when they're all out, I put on the TV, <laughs> put on a certain volume, run into my like I can't, I can't hear this. And like, it's a silent house, right? This introduction to culture required research to actually see the culture. <laughs> yeah, but it was it was because it would be like then. Like, I'm like 14, 15, and it was yeah. really odd that my mum was fine with me seeing, like, an 18 film mm-hmm. if she had seen it before, uh, like, unsupervised or whatever. She didn't give a crap. Yeah. But if she hadn't seen it, she was a bit more like, ooh, maybe not, which is fair enough. For, yeah. like, when you're you want to see kid. what they're seeing. Yeah. But I remember it got to the point that it was also she wouldn't let me own a film that I had seen if it was above, the, like, my age of certificate. And it was yeah. really, really... Bizarre that I was like four, 13, 14, and I was like, I want, I want the Daredevil film, Ben Affleck, mm-hmm. and she was like, well, that's a fifteen. So you we all make mistakes, it. Matt. Yeah, I know, <laughs> I know. Um, but yeah, so through like late night films, it was like discovering stuff like Wicker Man and American Werewolf in London, and I mean, there's a lot of films which I look back, which now you might watch and go, that's crap. But I have a soft spot for something like oh, like, like Ginger Snaps. Yeah. And stuff like that, but a lot of and you know, but then you, and you've got a lot of the classics which I would have discovered anyway, like pop fiction and stuff like that. But younger generations don't have late night films. No, but I think I think so, so, well, I don't think that's been entirely lost though, because let's say like I, I mean, oh, I watched a lot of crap as well. Well, that's the thing. Like we mentioned, the, like Netflix. Hmm. Like Netflix has done this great thing of, to me, that is now that's late night films. Yeah. Because it's got such a catalogue that at some point you will have watched everything you want to watch on Netflix, for a short period at least. So then you will just watch whatever is suggested to you. Yeah. Like, off the cuff. So you'll end up watching things and then you, like a lot of people, myself included, if I'm watching a film, I will watch it to the end. Yeah. Regardless of whether I'm enjoying it or not. That was my problem with The Hulk. Like, I've watched The Hulk three times. The Ang Lee one. Yeah. Yeah. It's terrible. Yeah. But every time I start watching it, I have to watch it to the end. Which is yeah. why the noise when it like pops up on TV and I'm like, this is going to take three hours of my life. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, like, it, it, so with Netflix, you kind of, like, you throw it on and then you just start watching random crap. Mm. And it's it's that new thing of if you're interested or you're curious, you'll go out your way like you did with, with you know, performing, you know, espionage in order to, <laughs> to watch cool films. Yeah, no, I, I get what you mean. Um so I think it's deteriorated. Like, there's no, there's no randomness to it now. Yeah, that, that's what I would say. Yeah. It's like, if, like, I mean, I was quite surprised to see this at like HMV in Lincoln. Hmm. But apart from like CEX, I can't think of a, a shop that you can go into. Like, I know there's still a couple of fops around. Yeah, there's a fop in Edinburgh which we popped into. Yeah, but you haven't got. I mean, it's just like with music shops. You haven't really got a, a load of places where you can now walk in and you can browse through. Yeah. And it's not anything that's related to your previous watches, so to speak. Sort of yeah. thing. I guess sometimes Netflix will put in random stuff in their algorithm just to go, well, this is six ways removed. Yeah. Sort of thing. Um, and it could it could always be handy where it's like you've got, um, oh, like this actor was technically in this really low budget independent at the start of their career who's directed yeah. by this person who then did this really weird obscure arty film. Yeah. Sort of thing. So you could just be like, 
six ways removed you could get from like Iron Man to something really random. Yeah, I mean, I think that that, that I mean, in a way, that's that's where it's helped by the internet. Yeah, because it's like cool. So you got yeah, like Robert Downey Jr., who obviously to most of the generations below is known is known for Iron Man. Mm-hmm. He's Iron Man. Will always be Iron Man to them. Whereas to us, he was just some random actor who was in a Charlie Chaplin film at one point, and before yeah. that was in a bunch of random indie films. Yeah, Air America. Yeah. Fucking Mel Gibson, yeah. And like black and white, and like he's just a random reporter. He's in, uh, oh, what's that Tarantino film, which he Tarantino didn't make. Yeah, Natural yeah, Born Killers. Natural Killers. Yeah. He's, in he's like the random reporter in that, and you're like, that's Robbie Downey Jr. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I think that that is that it's that cookie crumb trail, like six degrees of Kurt Cobain now. Mm. You like you can lead back from anyone, and most yeah. people if they're like, I like Robert Downey Jr. I'm out of Robert Downey Jr. films. What else has he been in? And then I'll end up watching Black and White and realise he's in it for like ten minutes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. There are a lot of, but then a lot of the gems like that I discovered through ex like video stores. Yeah, like I remember when I was in sixth form every week when I finished my shift at the lovely Savers. I worked at a Savers for like three years. Mm-hmm. Um, but I like during my lunch break on a Sunday shift, there was Choices Video Rental, nice, just like down the road, which were then bought out by Blockbuster. Of course, back when Blockbuster was in its prime, yeah, when it could buy companies. Um, but they would have these sort of like ex rental bins, and right. you could just and they would always have an offer in that, and it would always be like oh four for a tenner or something yeah. like that. So it'll be like well these two, I, I want these two. So but. Clearly, even though I'd be saving money just by getting the two, I must get the deal. Yeah. So I've got to pack it out. And I would buy a lot of crap. Like, I think I went through a phase of J-horror films purely as a way of bulking out that deal. Like, there's another J-horror, so I'll just add that to my J-horror collection. Why not? See, you see like, I used to do that with comics. Yeah. There's a ra- there used to be a random comic shop in Scunthorpe, and it was the only one which was there. And it wasn't actually a comic shop. It was a used bookshop. And right. he had a comic section. Okay. And me and my brother at the time, my brother's heavily into like American culture, so he wanted to get into comics. Mm-hmm. And at the time, my view of comics was Beano and Dandy. <laughs> yes. Because that was comics. You were a kid, those were the comics you were yeah. handed. And it's like, you knew of Valiant, and you knew of the previous ones which existed, but you were like, that's comics. Mm-hmm. And then he started to get into like Marvel and all that kind of thing. So we used to go to this thing, and he used to have a bin, which was by 20 comics for a fiver. And it was just full of rejects. Yeah. Like, it was really unknown, weird, random stuff. And there was a series called Rom, Space Night. Okay. And that might actually be getting a movie, uh, which is coming out. And it's this, it's, it's terrible, right? It's the most unbelievable thing. Essentially, there's a scientist who is then, like, he dies or he's mutated. I don't know, because I don't know the entire story. Because mm-hmm. I've only bought issues to bulk out that selection which I was buying. Yeah. But I now have a ROM collection, which is, like, this thick. <laughs> um, but, like, yeah, the story of ROM is, like, he's, he's crammed into this spacesuit. And then he's, he's dead. But he's not dead, because the spacesuit keeps him alive. Right. And then he's got this weird, like, phaser, pink phaser thing, which he flies through space, being a space knight fighting different things fair enough and it's this it's very of its time sci-fi it's like early 70s sci-fi and the illustrations are, are terrible but there's something so in a way kitsch about it like you look at it you're like god damn Rom it just keeps going <laughs> it doesn't need to be serious or gritty because he's Rom the space now <laughs> yeah you, it's just coincidental finds you get which yeah I guess 
I guess some of that has deteriorated for the generations below us. Yeah, I mean, I, I certainly see Netflix and Amazon Prime would certainly, they, I, I hope that, I would like to believe that their algorithms were, de- were developed to compensate for that disappearing, rather than them just trying to push more content. <laughs> but then, in a way, like, I think Netflix do a lot, because they're funding so much right now. They're in debt. They're, they're in debt because debt. they're throwing money at things, mm. but it's working. Yeah. And the things they're funding are things which you don't expect to get funding because mm. stuff like Emoji Movie's made and no one wants in Hollywood will fund something, you know, original. Yeah. So they're essentially making their own late night films. Yeah. That's what they're doing. It's like, yeah. So you've got, it doesn't matter necessarily if you're not going to catch the cult film, which was on TV late night on Channel 4 and then flick over to Channel 5 to some soft cop on and then flick back again. <laughs> That's all Channel 5 was. I know. Pretty much. Back in the day. Back when Channel 5 was a pornography channel. Yeah, yeah. Launched by Spice Girls to promote softcore porn. <laughs> Very much. I remember, because I, I, I didn't have a TV in my room for ages. For absolutely ages. Um, and when we got our TV, we had it for a year, and then we begged for a VHS player. Because mm. we wanted to record. We were like, we want to record films, which we can't watch yeah. late at night. And then... When I got my own room, because at the time we, me and my brother shared a room, when I got my own room, sorry, Mum, for you watching this, I basically just used that VHS to catch a pod off Channel 5 <laughs> for the longest time. Which is like, what, flicking through Radio Times, just like, what is on, what could be sexy? Because I'm not going to be awake at this point. What could, and it's like, partial nudity. Well, that's getting recorded. <laughs> and it's just like the worst thing you could do, but at the same time, it's like, you're a young teen who's curious about sex. <laughs> like, yeah. You're going to watch Channel 5. Yeah, yeah, of course. You're going to watch Eurotrash, clearly. Yeah, it would be like, you know, five in the morning, Eurotrash would click on, and you're like, yeah. what's going on in Eurotrash? Like when there was the um, the the EU referendum and Eurotrash came back and did a one-off special, Charlie could not understand why I was so happy that Eurotrash was back. I was like, they did a one-off, TiVo that, got that going. I'm like, yep, that's right, that's still on my TiVo box. Fucking... Uh, I didn't get to watch that. Like, I wish I had. Well, it's because they, they got the guy back, the, yeah. the actual presenter, and they and then they got... I didn't fucking realise this, but his... Every now and then, a lot of the uh, guy would come on and do skits with him. It was actually Jean-Paul Gaultier. Oh, shit. The actual fashion designer. And I'm just <laughs> like... This makes Eurotrash even better. <laughs> and I'm just like, what? What the... F- how, what? And they got him back as well. And, yeah. That's I mean, obviously, funny. they couldn't get Lola Ferrari back. She died. Yeah. Because, oh, God, that was weird. Yeah, because, yeah... <laughs> We'll not go into uh, that. <laughs> but, yeah, but back to pop culture. It's because you mentioned Fight Club, it reminded me to bring up the topic of pop culture. It was like, recently, I've just been doing a massive reverted binge right. of pop culture sort okay. of thing. Like, I, I say, I, I'll, it would probably be better to say cultist pop culture. Okay. I mean, so when we're discussing pop culture, I mean, pop culture is quite broad. Yeah. But we're, essentially, we discuss it from film and TV. Pretty much. But it was like, of. I... Um, I finally got around to reading Fight Club. All right. Yeah, like I've I've been wanting to read it for years, and I just never got around to it. And um, I started to revisit because um, like during my dissertation, I did obviously my dissertation on Gen X cinema, yeah. and specifically on Kevin Smith and Clerks. Mm-hmm. And I felt a bit bad that I had all of these film texts on my bookshelf. And I just read the odd chapter or the odd bit that was needed for my dissertation. I was just yeah. like, but I feel it's a lie having these books there and I've not read them. Okay. 
So like when I'm doing my commute into work, I was just like, well, let's stop buying comics and let's start reading all of these factual books mm-hmm. instead about film and early 90s cinema and all that sort of stuff. And so I read through them all, uh, all but one, actually, I've just got one left on my shelf. And it just made me really want to binge Gen X stuff again. And then I was like, every every book always referenced, obviously, Douglas Coupland's Generation mm-hmm. X, Tales for Accelerated Culture, because that's where the coin, yeah. the term was coined for Generation X. And so I finally got a hold of that and read that, and I was like, I need to read more trashy Gen X material. Let's fucking get Fight Club. Let's read that. And I finally got around to reading it uh, earlier in the year. I finished it. Like February, March sort of time, and I was just like, "Why, why, why isn't stuff more stuff like this made into films anymore?" Sort of thing. But it is like what Netflix, like you said, what Netflix is sort of like. Well, it's like I was developing up. I was reading an interview with um, with Ed Norton mm. the other week. I say the other week, it was like probably months ago, but time is <laughs> it's just like a bag of cats. <laughs> <laughs> no one knows what's going on there. Um, yeah. So, and he was basically just saying he didn't think Fight Club would get made nowadays if they hadn't made it when they had. It was just like, if you took that book to a studio, and even if it was like Fincher, and you said, I want to make this, mm. and I want to make it this way, they wouldn't, no one would fund it. No, no, but there was a resurgence of, it was because obviously Gen X, and in, like you had the, you had the uh, independence in the early 70s, where studios were like, we're not making any money, so let's yep. throw out all these new film brats, as Scorsese and Spielberg and that lot. And then they all sold out, not them not them directors, but the studios then went back to selling out in the 80s. Yeah. And it was just a dead era of just trashy action and rom-coms. And then so you then had the resurgence of independence in the early not, like 80s, early 90s, mm. like Tarantino and Kevin Smith and Robert yeah. Rodriguez and Steven Soderbergh. And then they sort of, the studios then went, well, let's go back to what we did in the 70s and reinvest. So then you could have like Aronofsky going from Pi. Yeah to Requiem for a Dream, like, making that jump, yeah. which wouldn't happen now. Oh, yeah. I mean, I don't even think you could, you'd get away with making Requiem for a Dream. No. No, no, not at all. Um, but then it would be like, as well, like, you think Fincher jumped from music videos to Alien 3. Yeah. And then he jumped from, what was it, was Seven his first one after Alien 3? Yeah, I think so. Like, Seven yeah. just came out. And it's just out. like, yeah. what, what? That wouldn't be done now. Like, yeah, you've done this sort of sci-fi, admittedly, from the three at the time, it was the worst in the instalments. Still good. I still yeah. quite like Alien Three, but compared to Alien and Aliens, it doesn't hold up. I feel. Yeah, I mean, see, it's weird though. Like a lot of people really, really, really laud Aliens as their film. Like they're like Aliens is the best. People really push Aliens as like their film. Yeah. Whereas, I prefer Alien. I would say Alien, like hands down. Alien is my favorite of them, and I think Alien Three is okay. Yeah, like. And whereas people hate Alien 3, love Aliens, and they're okay with Alien, but they're not like, it's not for me. I was like, no, because Alien is great. Like, yeah, no, yeah, like, cause I, like, obviously Aliens did well not to just remake Alien. Yeah. They just went, okay, let, let's change it, let's mess, mix it up a bit. Yeah. And Alien 3 was almost like an amalgamation of the two stories. So mm-hmm. again, it's not like, let's remake one or let's remake two. Yeah. But then when they got to Alien Resurrection... It was just, let's just retell the stories of the other ones. And it's like, no, you, it's got to be an original. You can't just redo it. So, that was a bit... so then I think maybe off, off that point, we were saying about the way the studios kind of go back and forth. Because it is that cycle yeah, which you get in cinema and, and culture. 
of people going back and forth. Same with like politics. If you if you have a system which is in place, and then eventually that system will decay, and then it brings a resurgence of what was there before, and then kind of goes through like the way most most baby boomers are saying, "Oh, we're going back to the nineteen seventies, and we don't want to go back to the nineteen seventies." And all this, whereas we're kind of sat there going, "No, what was going on in the seventies was good. It was like a building of a society sort of thing." Um, so you could say the same with culture, and just say that at some point when they finish making Expendable 6 and Fast and the Furious 12, that, you know, they'll be sat there going, well, maybe we could, you know, push money back into independent because we've stopped making money off these franchises. Well, yeah, you're getting it with, with Netflix and with Amazon. Yeah. Um, I mean, obviously, Netflix got booed at Cannes. Did they? Well, they, they? I didn't know that. They did two, they aired two films at Cannes. Yeah. One of them was, I can't, I haven't watched it yet and I'm really fucking annoyed I haven't watched it yet but it's this uh, South Korean director who did The Host. Okay. Um, and he did, and it's got Tilda Swinter in. Wait, is this Swinter? Yes. Oh shit, that's a great film. Yeah, I haven't actually watched it yet. I but, watched it, it's great. But that, that was at Cannes and yeah. another one they did at Cannes and they were booed like fuck because the French press just basically went um, we should only be showing films that are made for theater, theatrical release. And they see Netflix and Amazon as the demise of cinemas. And I get their argument. I yeah. completely get and respect it. But like with Amazon, they're actually pushing films into cinemas. Yeah. And I mean, obviously, um, Beast of, was it Beast of No Nation? With Idris Elba that Netflix did? Yeah, yeah. That had limited theatrical release, but it had theatrical release sort of thing. You know, this is just going to essentially just lead to Netflix owning cinemas. Yeah, which will then be vertical integration and they will break the Paramount Act yeah. and it will be illegal. Which AMC are getting, they're actually getting sued right now. Essentially, all, that's all they'll do. It's like they'll, they'll have to and the rules will have to change. Well, I think they've got to change because AMC are getting sued by yeah. Robert Kirkman and everyone really? from The Walking Dead. Because their executive shares, like equity profits, are based on AMC Studios, the profit AMC Studios make. Because AMC Studios make the show and then AMC airs the show. And from what I've read, I might have, I don't know, I might get the wrong, I've misread certain bits, so I might be wrong in this. But from what I've read, it's then the profits, first of all, go to AMC and then they distribute back to AMC Studios. But because AMC own AMC Studios, they're not distributing the profits back as as they fully should be okay, like right, if it yeah. was a different studio built yep. it up because ultimately the money will still remain in AMC yeah, but so it they, does they mean they, that the equity sharers yeah. are not getting as much profit as they should be yeah. because the money's not going back into the studios yeah. to be diverted back to them and they're basically going we should have made more money from this yeah. Why and didn't we haven't yeah. so they're suing them and everyone's just sort of gone shit this is actually vertical integration because they own the studio and the channel but because it's not a cinema yeah you can yeah, um, absolutely strip that down but like I saw a couple of weeks ago I saw The Big Sick okay uh, which I didn't know until opening credits that Amazon Studios put a lot of money into that yeah and it was a good film it was you know it's, it's a bit of a rom-com yeah but it's an indie one and it's an indie one that you would have expected to have come out it would have been more of the mainstream indie mm-hmm. But you could easily have seen it come out the same time as like The Secretary. Yeah. That sort of indie cinema, like Donnie Darko. Like you could have seen this being, this is the studio doing a mainstream indie to try and get the mainstream audience segwaying yeah. into the indie yeah. market. And it was just, and I really liked it. I thought it was a good film. Had some heartfelt moments in. I thought it was well acted. The fact that it was all based on a true story just made it like, holy yeah. shit, this fucking happened. But it was, and it also came out, it didn't come straight off the back of Sundance. Yeah. 
because sometimes, like, I saw um, Me Earl and the Dying Girl a couple of years ago. Right, yeah. And that was classic indie, but that was classic. I felt it was classic. This is catered for Sundance. Right. And it's just come out of Sundance, so now we're going to push it straight into the world cinema market sort of thing. Whereas this is like, Sundance is obviously January, February. Yeah. And this came out July, August. In a way, Sundance kind of annoys me. The same with Cannes. It's like, it's become this thing now where it seems like that slaps on anything, that logo. Mm. Like, it's it's just slapped on anything. I'm just like, oh, look, this film, it was shown at Sundance. It was shown at Cannes. It doesn't matter if it's good or bad. Yeah. But because this, everyone has this impression of, like, that's a, that's a seal of quality that it was put out there. It's like, so it'll be seen by everyone. Mm. And it's, yeah, it's like a weird thing which like Hollywood's doing, which is like, oh, this is at Sundance and Cannes. That means it's an indie film because it's gone to art festivals. Yes. Yes. <laughs> it's gone to art festivals. So it must be an indie film. And it must have done well because it got into the festival, yeah. Rather than actually, you know, looking into it or anything like that. But then, yeah, because they're not. In a way, it's gone the way of like. I mean, I have twisted views on the Oscars anyway. Yeah, but yeah. it's gone the way of the Oscars in that it's no longer actually a standard. It's just this is something where we get together, we pat ourselves on the back mm-hmm. for a little bit, and then we put something out, and because it's got that label on it, it looks good. Yeah, I mean, like this year's Oscars. I thought it was great that Moonlight won. Yeah. Moonlight was a fucking great film. Um, and, but they, they were just like, I mean, I've always had, there's always a contention in the Oscars where there's always one award that's awarded and I am always furious at that. What, just one in particular. Like some of them I might disagree with, but one yeah. I'm like, no, that's not right. And the last I think one... I remember having that conversation with you about Black Swan where it won something at the Oscars and you were pissed about it. But then, uh, yeah, it, it, it won. Basically, it won the visual effects. Yes, Oscar, that was it. Yeah. And I was just like, what the fuck? And then when I rewatched it, I was like, actually, this whole film is around mirrors. Yeah. So the amount of paint outs, like, actually, fair enough. Yeah. But I was just going, Marvel just on Avengers. <laughs> Avengers, woo! Visual effects, yeah! And then I was just like, actually. Uh, hang on a minute. <laughs> yeah. But, um, no, the one, the one that I was, there was, actually, no, there's been two that I was most pissed off at. One was um, Best Original Song. Okay. And Dido won it right. for her song in 127 Hours. Okay. And I well, I didn't think the song was that great. And I remember the scene it appeared in, he's like delusional and he's starting to like hallucinate like as if he's got a kid in the future. And I'm just like that. I felt that. No disrespect to Danny Boyle or anything. And if it wasn't the original source of material, because I haven't read the book, I don't know. But I did not like that scene. I felt I didn't play too well in the film overall. And I felt I didn't like, I wasn't a huge fan of the song. I mean, I've got a soft spot for... Uh, old school Dido like yep. you know I like I do like the No Angel album who doesn't like it and yeah even though like you know heavy metal guy it's like I do I do like the album but I just I didn't like the song I didn't feel it yep. fitted in the film and I was like why the fuck didn't Daft Punk win yep. for D-Rezzed on Tron Legacy because that was a fucking amazing soundtrack it was a fucking amazing song yep. and it didn't win and all I could think of was people just went well, that's a big Disney film and it's Daft Punk, you yeah. know? And I'm just like, but the, the biggest contention I had, which I was furious at, and everyone always looks at me and goes, really? Wow, that's like, I can't believe, that's so disrespectful All to right. say that. I'll get my uh, the face ready. For this. Is, uh, <laughs> I really feel that Daniel Day-Lewis did not deserve the Oscar for Lincoln. Okay. I feel it should have been so Hugh Jackman. Res- it should have been Hugh Jackman for Les Mis. Ooh, that is a good... I feel he deserved that outright. 
especially as it was all sung live and just that one scene where he's in the church and he's contemplating should I steal the silver yeah to maintain singing and give that emotional performance and break down like that and I was just like why 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 has he not got this I mean don't get me wrong Daniel Day-Lewis did an amazing job in Lincoln I'm not gonna in any way refute his performance I just felt for that year Jackman gave the far superior performance yeah I could see I mean, as you say, like, both of them were great performances. Yeah, both of them were. I'm not saying so that I, Lewis I could, was I crap. I can see your point in terms of, in a way, yeah, it's like that whole, this is the Oscar tradition. Day-Lewis wins an Oscar. Day-Lewis never mm. never doesn't win an Oscar kind of thing. Yeah. So I can I can see that point. Yeah, I mean, I don't, see, I, yeah, I don't have that strong of opinions on Jackman. Like, I enjoyed it. And yeah. I see it as a great performance, but for me, in in Les Mis, at, at least, um, surprisingly, uh, I think the best performance came from uh, Thingy. Anne Hathaway. No, uh, oh. no. Uh, uh, what's his name? The guy who did uh, Borat. Sasha Baron Cohen. Yeah, for me, he's the best performance in that entire film. Oh yeah, he was really good. Yeah. And that I I'm not a fan of Sasha Baron Cohen. And yeah. I think it was just the sheer surprise. Yeah, that performance like it came through, and I was like, "Oh, it's gonna be him." And there's like, actually, he's won me over. Mm. Um. I, I did get really annoyed when the when the Impossible came out, right? And Naomi Watts got nominated for Best Actress, and I was like, "Yeah, she gave a great performance in that." Yeah, but I remember it might have even been that that same year with Lincoln. It was the same yeah, year. It was with the Lincoln. same year as Lincoln. Yeah. And I got really annoyed that looking at all the nominations, like they all did great performances, mm-hmm. but I felt that Ewan McGregor should have been nominated not win it by no. by any chance like his, like Day Lewis did a better performance than McGregor but Ewan McGregor in The Impossible and I was like because I felt Naomi Watts and McGregor's performance in that film were on par with each other okay yeah and how could Watts get nominated and not McGregor because especially when he's got to call his wife's parents yeah and just be like I don't know where she is I'm really sorry like yeah. I don't know where my like where my son is and he breaks down on the phone and then he's got to give the phone back and they're like, you can't leave the conversation there. Use all my credit. Use my battery. I don't care. <laughs> but just the performance he does there. Yeah, like, yeah. obviously McGregor, like he's done some typical trash Hollywood stuff along the way, um, especially when he was building up to go on his uh, motorbike journey. And he was like, I worked flat out for two years just so, so I could I have could six this. months yeah, off. Yeah. Um, but he's done a lot of good gems as well. Yeah, and just yeah. in that, it was sort of like, Deserved that kudos to be like yeah because yeah. he as far as I'm aware he's never been nominated for like yeah. best actor sort of thing yeah. and it's just like just that one bit there and I'm like I don't cry in films at all hmm. and some people just think I'm a cold heartless prick but in that I'm just like <laughs> sort of thing like it was so and I was just like why didn't he get nominated like yeah come on. I I can see that I remember watching I think I, I mean because we studied film it makes it hard to suspend reality. Mm. And as good as any performance is, it takes a lot for me to have an emotional reaction, exterior at least. Mm. So, like, watching The Impossible, it was like, there's that scene where she gets injured and the kid's, like, trying to patch her up. Yeah. And they're walking along and, like, that's an intense scene. But at the same time, it's not one which I cry at. Because for the same... I think I remember making a video post about this back when doing vlogs and stuff. And... It was this whole idea that you, you can watch a dramatic film like this, even if you're told it's based on a real story. And some part of me would be like, yes, but at some point, somebody's going to yell, cut, hand her a latte, and the life will carry on. Yeah, yeah. Because this isn't reality. 
Yeah. So in my back of my head, I'm like, this is dramatic. It's, I'm, I'm completely believing this. I'm aware that this happened. But now I'm a racist like that. They're in a pool right now. They're in the middle of a wave pool. <laughs> it will be, you know, physically draining for them. But at the same time, there is no danger involved. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I, I, I don't know. It's a disconnect with films with that kind of thing. But going back to a point you just made, kind of, where you were saying, um, like, Dido is like a guilty pleasure kind of thing. I would never say the word guilty pleasure, though, no. because I'm never guilty about I'm never what guilty. I like. But I was just thinking, in terms of music and pop culture, mm-hmm. compared to film and pop culture, Yeah. let's say you meet someone and they're like, you know what, my favourite band's Nickelback. Okay. Okay. There's a chance that they'll be ostracised from musical conversation. <laughs> right? okay. I mean, I enjoy Nickelback. I like Silver Side Up. I, I mean, I enjoy modern Nickelback, to some extent, but... You'll be ostracised in conversation. Whereas if you were kind of come along and someone was like, you know what, I enjoy the Emoji movie. I'm not alone comparing the two in terms of artistic levels, but no one will go there. You know what? You have no opinion on a film ever again. I would. Well, you would, but that's you. <laughs> no, it was like. Um... But it's, it's that it's that balance of like if you have a, a a guilt or a thing which is seen as bad or uncool in music compared to film. Yeah, it's more yeah. accepting in film. I think because it was more like. It's always been more socially acceptable to be like a music nut than mm. it is to be a film nerd. Uh, and I think part of it could be because you can just whack on an album in the background whilst you're chatting with mates or whilst you're driving along. Whereas with a film, it's like, let's just go into a darkened room and sit quietly for two hours. <laughs> we are not allowed to interact with each other. I describe it like that. It's the strangest ritual in reality. It's like, okay, so wait, humans do this thing where they turn up to a large building. Okay, right. It's a sociable event. Okay. They purchase food for more than they would purchase anywhere else in the world. <laughs> yes. Okay. Priced up. All right. I get, I get that. They're paying to go into this building. Okay. That's an interesting point on itself. They're going to sit in a room together. Okay. And they're not going to say a word. For the, and, okay. So this room's lit? No. It's a dark room where they sit next to each other. Face and this is a sociable room. event. Yeah. Okay. They're facing <laughs> each other. No, 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 no. They just stare at a screen for two hours. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> like, you that as, like, that's madness. It is. It is. But it's the best madness there is. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, at least, yeah, it's, it's that comparison because you could, like, you think of a film, that's, it seems ritualistic in a way. Whereas a concert, you know, you move it about, there's people, mm. you know, you talk to one another between sets or that kind of thing. But yeah, film, you're, you're, you're locked in a position for two hours. Yeah. It's no wonder people break. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. But, like, when you were saying that people ostracise, like, yeah. I hadn't watched a single episode of Game of Thrones till this year. I, I'm I'm on episode two, and I refuse to watch any more because I enjoy Sean Bean being alive. Yeah. <laughs> um, but people are always like, oh my god, like, with all your interest in what you watched, like, how come you haven't watched it yet? And I was yeah. like, because it was really overhyped when it came out. Yeah. And then a lot of people whose opinions I do not trust loved it and adored yeah. it. And I'm like, whoa. So some people who I... I trust their opinion was just like, yeah, yeah, it's, it's really good, it's really good, but there's a lot of hype. Mm-hmm. I, might, I might leave it a little bit, see if that dies down. Oh, they're saying they love it. They're saying it's the best thing ever. Mm-hmm. Oh, I, okay, it's probably crap. Oh. But you do that thing which I do, like when someone people love things, you avoid it. Yeah. It's like when people come out and they're like, oh, this is the best film ever. You I'm immediately sceptical. Yeah, I'm going, immediately. I'm going like, to look for, it could be the best film, but I'm looking for all the flaws. And I'll come out and go in, I saw the boom mic, so therefore it's crap. Yeah. I mean, I, 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 I didn't watch Watchmen till last year. Really? I hadn't seen Watchmen. I'd read the graphic novel mm. years ago, 
and then I watched Watchmen last year, and it was one. It was a film which I fundamentally avoided mm. because when it came out, it was so hyped, and it may have been more hyped because our friends at the time were all comic interested, so it was a big part for them, and then everyone yeah, loved yeah, it, yeah. and they were like, "Oh, cinematic genius," and all this kind of stuff, and I'm just like, I can leave it be. I know there's only going to be one essentially for yeah. a while. Nobody's going to make come out and make another one. Left it and left it and left it. And then I watched it last year and I didn't like it. I wouldn't sit through it again. Yeah, I've, I haven't read the uh, I haven't read the source material. No. Um, but I just thought it was. Yeah. 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 I think it, in a way it's like it's interesting to see how pop culture in a way like it does very good things. Because we get stuff like cult films, and that gains like popularity, and that can lead to more stuff, which is good. And then pop culture kind of gets hold of it and just pushes it into the limelight. I mean, like Batman, you know, it died down for ages, and then suddenly got pushed back into the forefront, and then everything got hold of it, and then we got great things coming out of Batman. I mean, Suicide Squad removed, but <laughs> you know, but then at the same time, it can have a hugely damaging effect by pushing the wrong thing into the limelight. And then that has a trigger effect of, oh, well, if they liked this and everyone loves this, we can make more of this. I get what you mean. You could say, even though, don't get me wrong, I fucking love it, but Adam West Batman, obviously that then steered the comics to remain campy. Yeah. And it wasn't until after Adam West Batman had died down, was it then like rebooted to be the dark, the dark knight. Yeah. To be the dark noir detective yeah. that then it developed into, but I'm not bashing the Adam West Batman no. at all. But you can sort of see that it's like let's continue the comics to mimic the TV shows, so people yeah. will buy into it. Well, in a way, like there's a more more subtle view of that would be Taken, right? So and Liam Neeson, yeah, Liam Neeson Taken. We watched Taken. We went to see Taken Two. Yes, and they didn't did. turn off the lights. For and they didn't turn off the lights for ten minutes, and we should have probably asked for a refund, but. Yeah, we went. We saw Taken. We saw Taken Two, and then Liam Neeson at the time was getting more and more popular because yeah. he was appearing in loads of shit mm-hmm. at the time. And he had he'd been grabbed onto by pop culture. Suddenly, the memes had had him, and then everyone was Liam Neesoning, and you know yeah. he was like he was Jedi, he was Batman's trainer, and all this kind of stuff. Yeah. And then Taken Three, obviously, as far as I know, I haven't seen it. I haven't seen Taken Three. Wasn't as good. Taken 2 wasn't as good as Taken 1 because they wanted to make it for a broader audience. It's a 12A. They made it a 12A. Yeah. And that had a deteriorating effect on the film overall. Mm, yeah, yeah. Whereas if Liam Neeson hadn't been so popular, you could have probably still got away with making it a 15 or an 18. Yeah. And mm. it would have been easier. Whereas they were like, oh no, because the kids like memes and the memes like Liam Neeson, so we need to make it for the kids. I say Even kids, the, yeah. I mean like teenagers, but yeah, we need to make it for people who could go see this and then watch Liam Neeson kick ass. Yeah, yeah. Even though people, like them kids wouldn't have seen the first one. Yeah. Uh, but it's got Liam Neeson's name tag on it. So yeah, you can go it, was, see it. it was one of the ones that was so like odd because what I felt I liked about, what I really liked about the first Taken film, because I do really like it, hmm. was that you are, you've got these situations, It was it was, the story was not original, it was completely redone time and time again in Hollywood and it's just, oh, this guy's kids or his family is kidnapped yeah. and he's going to get them back through his training that like maybe his family, but normally it was the family don't know what he does and he just yeah. so happens to be Arnold Schwarzenegger or something like that. <laughs> like you didn't know yeah. he'd take yeah. off a mask and it's Arnie. But what I really liked was that it's like whenever you see them films, you're like, if you had that training and your family is taken and you're going to be ruthless, yeah. would you really just stop 
You wouldn't hold back. Yeah. No, and that's going. what I loved about Taken was that yeah. he just sort of went, I'm going to torture you yeah. till you give me the information and then I'm going to kill you yeah. because ultimately you abducted my little girl and you deserve to die. Yeah. Whereas most films would be like, the torture would just be played around and then he would set them free or he'll just knock them out and just leave them unconscious. Yeah. Whereas he was just like, no, I'm going to electroshock torture you and then I'm going to kill you, yeah. making you think I'm going to let you go. Because that's what's going to... If my daughter is not yeah. found, she's going to think she's going to have a ray of hope and then she's going to die. Yeah. Like, So, fuck you, sort well, of thing. That was the whole thing. Of like with, with Taken comparative to Taken 2, it was like Taken 1 as well, it lacked dialogue. Mm. Like, there was no no villain on villain face-off. It wasn't like, oh, I got you. And it's like, oh, well, damn, you failed my dastardly plan. We can do this. <laughs> Whereas, like, even the ending scene for Taken 2, it's like they're in that bathhouse together, there's a whole conversation which happens. It's like, no, if, if you were in that situation, you'd walk in and you'd shoot him. Whereas, that would yeah, be the end of that whereas, scene. With, with, with Taken 1, and, I mean, ultimately this wasn't the person who kidnapped the daughter, but no. he's the one who's bought the daughter. Yeah. And he's trying to start that conversation, and he gets two words, and Liam Neeson's like, bang, no, yeah. you're dead. I've just headshotted you, so you can't, you can't, yeah. you can't give your dastardly plan. Yeah, and it's like there's no there's no play out of this because that's not it's not a realistic intervention of what would happen. Yeah, and it's like scene. if somebody was a black ops CIA guy, yeah. they would do this. Yeah. And it is even though I mean I imagine I don't know, I don't know what CIA black ops agents do. Like well, I don't think anybody does. I think that's yeah, the point. Exactly, exactly. But it's like you can only imagine yeah. that they would be this ruthless yeah. and stuff. That rage and that training would, would yeah, you'd just walk in, it wouldn't matter. Yeah. Because they're not people after after their targets. It's like straight through mm. and then yeah like Taken 2 laid that down and they introduced more like action elements like the face off between the villain and like the rooftop chases and all this kind of stuff and then Taken 3 takes 15 shots for him to jump over a fence yeah that is <laughs> you know like working in post production and film and TV and that, that's it's, always brought up every now and then it's just like how do you cut an action scene not like this yeah. at all I mean it's dramatic I'll give him that it's not a <laughs> Hell. I showed that to my editor. I showed it to my editor a couple of months ago, and he was just like, "What the fuck is this? Yeah. That's it's two seconds, and you've got fifteen cuts. 15 like, cuts. what the hell? Because there's a in the show I'm working on. Basically, there is a fight sequence, mm-hmm. and so I showed it to him just before the fight sequence. Like, so Jim, um, doing this right? Make sure you don't cut it like this, right? Ah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, it's just yeah it's the double edged sword of pop culture I think I think it can be good and it can it can bring a lot of good but at the same time it's 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 gotten to such a point of excess now yeah, in a way like the way I see it is that it's like you have the different art movements mm-hmm. like you go back all the way back to like romance and then like realism and dadism and all that kind of stuff and with film we had some of that but because we've got the format down of we know how to make sound and film be perfect, or as perfect as they can be, we've kind of gotten to a point where we're waiting for it to move on to another thing. Because we've had superheroes be the main thing in film for so long. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're waiting yeah. for another another period. Yeah, I, I get what you mean. It's always been... Like, cause with art, ultimately it was these people were making the artwork for purely for expression. Yeah. And... I mean, you've got the classic, like, the classic stereotype that they were a penniless artist, and mm-hmm. then when they were when they died, their artwork was found, yeah. sort of thing. 
Um, but of course, you've got to think like some of the greats from the Renaissance were getting commissioned, like Michelangelo's getting. I mean, he might have got paid pittance, I don't yeah, know, yeah. but he was still commissioned to paint the Sistine Chapel and stuff like yeah. that, and the commissions that Da Vinci got and stuff. But it's like with cinema, it started as a form of expression. You can look, you know, back into the early early doors of silent film and like experimentation with stop motion with like the uh, is it the, the Quay Brothers, yeah, the Quay Brothers, and stuff like that. But it's now just a cash cow. Yeah. And then now that's what's become, like what you say with pop culture, it's now pop culture is becoming how can we make money? So franchising it's sort of fucking emoji film sort yeah. of thing. And even like, I do even cringe a bit at Marvel Studios. Yeah. Where it just is like everything's trying to be a cinema building, like universe building yeah. to tie in for franchises so you can keep it going. Yeah. But at the same time, I love Marvel. Mm. And I can see like, after Avengers 4, apparently they're going all cosmic. Right. So that's why they've brought in Doctor Strange now, and they're going to be bringing in new Guardians of the Galaxy mm-hmm. instead, which is sort of like hinted at at the end of Guardians 2. Um, and they're bringing in more cosmic realm with Thor Ragnarok and stuff like that, because they, they're they sort of preempting that Downey Jr. Might, probably might not want to return. Yeah. And yeah. Chris Evans wants to get into more directing, so he might not return for yeah. Captain America. So they're thinking we're probably going to lose are phase one stars. Yeah. So at the same time, they're building this universe and this franchise, but at the same time, they're not just, it feels like, and I hope they're not just going to go, well, let's just recast this, let's just recast that, yeah, and yeah. try and hold on. To what they've to, made. Yeah. yeah, instead they'll just be like, well, let's move on, and let's bring in more. I mean, it's still then, yeah, this is still the, the you know, the cash cow, it's yep. still the universe building, trying to make money. Yeah. But, at least it's not just, uh, let's make Rambo 17. Yeah. I think in a, in a way it'll be interesting to see how it goes with the, the culture of because obviously it's unpredictable and it's unpredictable as to what people will do mm. or make <clears throat> with Netflix changing the game with making whatever they want to make yeah. just throwing money I mean they're hemorrhaging cash but they're making some great films I think that the only sad thing about that is that if Netflix goes down there's no way to get those films Yeah. yeah whereas like before good. you've got DVDs and stuff like that um, where it's pushing this kind of we had the renaissance of, uh, of drama with like Breaking Bad and that led to other things like Westworld and Game yeah, of Thrones yeah so American and, TV yeah. it's the creative place to go now at the moment yeah it is and it's like and but then we're seeing little bits of British TV and little bits of like British film kind of take foothold again mm. and go yeah we're going to do we're going to do this because why not kind of thing we've tried everything else we tried doing it in the American way tried making blockbusters mm. and it doesn't work for us, at least. Yeah. Um, so it would be interesting to see if, if pop culture makes a turn, like a right turn, away from everything, like it has done past decades, if something like Marvel will go, we've had this plan set out, we need to deviate, because they're making this, and that's popular now. Or whether they'll just go, you know what, no, we're going to keep going, what we're doing, we'll do the fan service... We'll, we'll plow through and we'll keep going with Marvel and all that kind of stuff. Mm. Whether they'll go, like, you know, if, if suddenly you know, Westerns become heavily popular because of the likes of Westworld and suddenly everyone starts making Westerns and it's all gritty and all that realism, um, which obviously you can't do with Marvel, but then suddenly they'll be like, ah, oh, we need to find a Marvel hero who's really into Westerns <laughs> so we can just push him in. Yeah, and yeah. It's like, it's that, it's that it becomes that conversation of whether you're you're interpreting pop culture or whether pop culture is interpreting whatever you've done. Yeah, I, I get what you mean. I completely because yeah. you have sort of seen it a bit where it's like, I mean, thankfully, they got their way with Deadpool and with and with the Logan film. Yeah. Fucking loved Logan. I mean, that's pushed that's pushed to change anyway. 
Yeah, it has pushed a change, yeah. which is which is great. Um, but it is like how long, like, because in terms of Deadpool is very heavy pop culture, yeah. and people have been pushing the Logan film or a Wolverine film to be like Logan for years. Yeah, and it's only because somebody leaked the Deadpool test footage this has come through but it's like there's been one that's been in the background Mm -hmm. for I remember you lent me this comic probably back in second year and back then there was sort of like utterance that it might happen but it will never happen because Mm -hmm. you would get an R-rated comic book film and that was Lobo oh yeah and you think how ingrained in pop culture with like gritty comics Lobo is Oh yeah, but it, and it's just you sort of hope that they'll go. Come on, Warner Brothers, you own the rights to Lobo, and you can do a you gritty. You could make a Lobo film quite yeah. easily. I mean, the way you could approach that quite easily, just as a, I want writing credits. Um, they're making the Justice League film, yeah, and Lobo meets the Justice League. Does he? He has on multiple occasions because he's he's not a hero, he's not a villain. No, no. he's just there, <laughs> and they run into him as a villain. Because right. they think he's a villain. And they they tangle with him. And you could easily have them do a film with him where mm. he's the, the, the fake villain. Whereas they inter- intervene with him and then move on to an actual villain. Mm. And then he goes by the wayside and then make a Lobo film. Yeah. If they wanted to introduce him like that. But yeah, mm. at the same time, you could just... That comic I lent you, where he's not even introduced. There's no origin story. No. It's like you could just slap that down and be like, we made Lobo. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was like, I I really, I was very sceptical before I watched it, the Carl Urban Dread. Right, yeah. Like, I haven't seen that yet. Because, I mean, when I when I saw the premise of it, I was like, okay, so you've just taken um, The Raid mm-hmm. and you've just made it with Judge Dread instead. Yeah. And I really liked The Raid. Um, I mean, the story wasn't that great. It's just more you like it because it's one of them, how the fuck did they manage that martial yeah. art films sort of thing. Like On Back. On Back is a fucking terrible story. Yeah. When I first watched that, it was like the first Muay Thai martial arts film I'd seen. I was just okay, like, yeah, yeah. what the fuck is this? He's just jumped off like two, foot, like two floor scaffolding, two yeah. story scaffolding and needs somebody in the head. How is that? F- what? Yeah, yeah. Sort of thing. <laughs> um, and with The Raid, you do just watch it and just go, what? But the story's a bit crap. And then it was like Dredd just took the Raid's narrative premise and just went, let's actually make this good yeah. and make it gritty and... And give some backstory. I, mean, I say, I say yeah. violent because obviously the Raid is violent as hell, but... Yeah. And it was just, it was what was needed, but then Lionsgate didn't get the uh, the return on it no. sort of thing. And Carl Evans like, so when we doing the next one sort of thing. And, mm-hmm. and what, apparently there's talks with Netflix to do a series... Which everyone's been like, you need like more on Mega City One, yeah. sort of thing, not just a single. Oh yeah, it's a huge. Um, and you could see there was a budget thing. It was like we we haven't got the budget to fully explore Mega City One, yeah. so we're so going to we'll be stuck in, in a tower yeah. block yeah. that he's stuck in the whole film, yeah. sort of thing. But and it was a bit annoying. Like you think when Dread came out, how long it took for Deadpool to come out? But it's because they tried an R-rated Dread, yeah, and. But everyone who watched it, all the fans were just like... Well, that's, that's the thing, isn't it? Like, Dreads came out, didn't do very well. But the fans loved it. But everyone grasped onto it afterwards. Yeah. And just like, no, this is this is what film should be for, for mm. R-rated. This is a good example of the, it. The fact that he never takes off his helmet. Yeah. And, he, and he pulls the perfect grumpy cat face. <laughs> like Charlie. Well, that's the, the, the renaissance like, of Dread. Charlie can do that. <laughs> yeah. Like, 
for listeners who don't know, Charlie's my girlfriend, and she can pull the best. She can proper get like the corners of her mouth down to her jaw. I don't get how she does it, but it's a proper, proper semicircle you're going. Yeah. Whereas I can't. But Carl Urban, I don't get how he was able to maintain that face grimace, so to speak, for like an hour and a half film. Like, I mean, it's what? like uh, Bale's clenched teeth. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it just comes naturally. To yeah, it's just like what? What the okay. fuck? So to bring this round to a, a nice ending, since we do not our own. Yes. A, a question to end on, essentially. Okay. okay. So if we're if we're saying that we don't know how pop culture makes what pop culture is, it mm-hmm. just goes where it wants, and we want cinema to to change. Yes. How would we like to see that change? Like, if we if we had a theme or a way of doing it, what would you push that right angle to be as like a final point? Okay. Um, I would say it would just be. Uh, a continuation of what we've been saying with like with Netflix and Amazon okay. that you need to have uh, an intervener who has got a lot of money behind them mm-hmm. and they're bold enough to sort of go either we feel that we need a resurgence of this level of storytelling mm-hmm. or this style or this genre like so let's go with it. And you've had that a bit with, like, we briefly said with American TV, yep. like, you know, with Breaking Bad and Mad Men and all that sort of came out. And you've had the big, like, Kevin Spacey's doing House of Cards sort of thing, obviously, big A-list name just sort of going, hey, it's a TV script, but fuck, that's a good script. Like, yes, let's yeah. get on to that. And so, yeah, you, you just need, like we had in the 70s and like we had in the early 90s, mm. where just a lot of people with a lot of money have just gone, well... Let's let this happen, and if if you if we get good returns, we'll we'll keep going on it. If not, then it will just be pushed under the rug, and you'll sort of forget about it. But that's how you've developed up like the trusted filmmakers, where you just like you know they can handle that story, you know they can handle that budget, sort of thing. And Marvel are doing that a bit, where they're latching on to filmmakers who have made. Uh, they've sort of jumped the gun they've done here's an indie film I've done mm-hmm. and then suddenly oh we're going to give you a 250 billion dollar budget and it's yep. just like and that's being criticised on quite a bit and I sort of get it that they're uh, because how much are they trusting the director or how yeah. much is their exec involvement because they're technically a new director yeah. sort of thing so you know where you sort of had it with the guy Scott is it Derrickson or, or who did Doctor Strange I don't know I don't where know. he had just done like uh, I think he had done some of the sort of like resurgence of horror films sort yeah. of stuff and that was about it yeah. sort of thing. And you've got Thor Ragnarok, the guy, I can never fucking remember his name, but the guy who's doing that, he had done uh, like that vampire one with fucking, oh my God, exactly. like we, we we only live in the shadows or something oh, like yeah, that. Oh yeah, 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 we, yeah, uh, yeah, I yeah. yeah, he, yeah. He did that and then right. suddenly he's doing Thor Ragnarok. And oh, like, I didn't know that. that and you're just yeah. like, that's a big change. Where's that, yeah, where's yeah, that jump? Yeah. But at the same time, you could argue that Marvel are investing in these slights. You're getting that slow, slight yeah. uh, resurgence coming through of, of low-budget film. They're, you're just not seeing them in the cinema. Yeah, yeah. Sort of thing. It's almost like with Donnie Darko. Came yeah. out in the cinema, nobody saw it. Yep. And then suddenly everybody in the country seemed to watch it because HMV sold it in their bargain bin for two quid. Yeah. And you're like... Like, oh, everyone's about? talking about this, yeah. and it's two quid. Oh, yeah, I'll give that a watch. Why yeah, not? Yeah. And then suddenly everyone's like, "Oh my god, Donnie Darko is fucking amazing! This is yeah. a great sort of film." And that's almost what's happening now. Where people are missing it in the cinema, yeah, and they might see yeah, it, on it on Netflix, Netflix. Yeah. sort of thing. So these directors are getting some kudos finally, yeah. 
Um, but yeah, so the resurgence of what I consider pop culture, mm. which isn't cash cow pop culture, yeah. is you just need them investors to gamble. Yeah. Ultimately, you need that gamble. And some of them pay off and some of them don't. Yeah. I think, in but, a way, like some of that comes down to... I've seen, we've seen a lot of things where actors who are A-list stars like Kevin Spacey just taking a chance and being like, you know what, I'll act in that. Yeah. And like with uh, Danny DeVito mm. being in Always Sunny. Like he just, he saw it and was like, yeah, I like that. I think mm. whilst we rely on studios, I think a lot of it will come down to actors who have lots of money deciding mm. to just go, I want to do this for the, the art side of it. I want to do it for the, the presence of film. And then just pushing that line and trying yeah. to build. So rather than just going looking at it to be like Warner Brothers needs to do this, going well, you know what? Why not? Why doesn't Down Junior just fund some films mm. which he wants to make rather than being Iron Man because he was in those kinds of films. Mm. It's where he came from, kind of thing. So you could easily see that lead in. And I think we're getting to that point in Hollywood where people, are, actors, are fed up. They're fed up of going, yeah, you know, well, yeah. I've got to sit here on this this panel for this Disney film for eight hours, and then I'm going to have to do 12 more of these. Well, I saw it with, um, last weekend I saw a ghost story right. with Casey Affleck and okay. Runamari. And the opening, I felt like it's very slow, mm-hmm. very, like, eight-minute takes, single yep. takes, sort of slow. And the opening, I just felt he's lingering too long on this shot. Like, I, I, I love the artistic merit behind it, but now it's gone. Mm. You're just holding it for this. I felt he's just holding it for the sake of holding it sort of thing. But he self-funded that. Yeah. He, the director, had just made Pete's Dragon for Disney. Right. And he just went, I wouldn't mind, I've got this concept, I wouldn't mind making this. is ne- next to no dialogue in this film. Yeah. Because at the very beginning, Casey Affleck dies. Right. And it's the whole thing on what if a ghost is just a bed sheet, but nobody can see them. So right. it's like he wakes up in the morgue and he lifts up with a sheet over him okay. and he's just forever walking around with a sheet with black yeah. holes for eyes and that's it okay. sort of thing. Yeah. And, he's, and he goes and he follows his ex-girlfriend or his girlfriend, yeah. obviously his widow. Widow, uh, yeah. yeah. Um, and that's the film. Okay. And he self-funded it. He paid for everything. And he's at the same talent agency as Runamari and Casey Affleck. Yeah. And they had to tell the agents because they, they didn't want any studio involvement. Yeah. And they had to say... Basically, we just claimed we were making a short film so nobody would inquire. Yeah. Because we had to say, oh, yeah, um, I can't be put on the books for, like, two weeks. Oh, why not? I'm just I'm making a short film. Oh, okay, we won't ask any questions. Yeah. So I, think, thing. I think previously it's been looked to, like, people like us who graduated to mm. change things. And as much as that needs to happen, where we need to come out with scripts and ideas and push and all that kind of stuff, yeah. I think, yeah, you need, you got to have a change like that. Where directors will take a risk and just make something. Yeah, instead yeah. Of chase, I, like it's, I get that it's hard not to chase that. You know, if someone Disney handed you a contract, you'd mm. be like, yeah, you know, take that, fuck that. You know? mm. But I think, yeah, it, it's a, it's a, an attitude change. I think that is coming. I think that will be the twist. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like he, like I say, you just come off of a massive yep. Disney live action remake, and I think there was never any impression from interviews I've read about it there was never any impression that he would make his money back he didn't yeah. care he was like I wanted to make it I thought it was a great concept I've got the money I've just come off a massive Disney contract yeah. I think he's got another big Disney live action remake coming yeah. up or something like that I think he was saying he's got a, so this is an in-between project yeah. and he's just like let's make it for the sake of making it yeah. rather than for the sake of making money on it and people seeing it and I really hope like because like the first third I thought was too slow but then this, the second third and the final third I was just like 
this is really good. No, I really like this. And it's just you just need more filmmakers as well as well as like the studios going, yeah. let's put money in. Yeah. You need the filmmakers to take the risk. Yeah. But even if it's just like making shorts, yeah. like you don't really see that anymore. Like obviously some filmmakers like Fincher and Ridley Scott, yeah. they earned their their bread and butter through making shorts at first. Yeah. And you don't it's like I would love it to be if Edgar Wright just off Baby Driver just goes let's just quickly make a short on a weekend yeah. let's just do that you know yeah. why not I've, I've got a little idea Simon Pegg yeah. Nick Frost they're my mates they yeah. probably just live around the corner from him I don't know I like to think they all live on Meteor Street I think they live in a house together yeah I'm probably certain um, and it just be like fuck it let's just quickly do this and just yeah. put it on YouTube it'll go viral straight away oh yeah but it's the element that they've made it for the sake of making it rather than for the sake of making money on it yeah and like that would be great so it's almost the you need both, I think. You need yeah. filmmakers who grew up from our perspective of pop culture. Mm-hmm. It's an ice cream fan. That is an ice cream man. It's summer. We're all right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so you, yeah, and you've got filmmakers who grew up and developed themselves through when what I consider pop culture. Yeah. To just to do that, like it's not going to be skin off their back. They they technically they know how to do it. No. They know people like when Rodriguez started to make Sin City. Yeah. He did. He made the the test screen. Frank Miller to agree to sign off. He just called up Josh Hartnett and went, "Hey, you owe me a favor. I'm calling it in. Yeah. Come down to my, my my ranch. We'll make." And that's the opening film of the scene. Was yeah. just he did a test that test work. test scene, and there you go. And it's like you just need them just to be like, "Hey, you know, Ben Affleck, you and your chin, you're free. Why don't you Why don't you come down and quickly do this for me?" <laughs> yes, <laughs> completely. Yeah, yeah, I, I completely agree. I think we're at that stage as well. I think we're we're kind of. It always feels like you're at a tipping point, in, in especially that. It always feels like, oh, there's a big change coming. There's always mm. a big change coming. But I think definitely with, with cinema and film, um, we're, we're at a point where there needs to be adjustment in order for it to remain profitable. Yeah. Even from that point of view, it's, even if you see it as a business point of view, you've been doing the same thing for five years at least. So you need to alter that. Otherwise, mm. it grows stagnant. It stops making things. And Netflix are trying. Yeah, Actors are trying. Directors trying, you know, people like us who come up with random ideas, probably people who are more motivated than us who have the contacts, you know. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I think we were at that stage where it's just that, yeah, someone's got to step out. Yeah. I think that's a nice point to end on. Yeah. As a, a round nice. out, we've put the world to right. Yes. As a, as a thing, you know. <laughs> we'll have you again. Yes. We'll come back and, you know, when this is less popular than it is now. <laughs> when it's gone underground. <laughs> We're at the mainstream of what this podcast can be. <laughs> We're going to come back around and be underground. But well, thank you for coming, man. No worries. And yeah, we'll talk to you guys later. Cool.